Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. Love God and love your neighbor. The rest is commentary. That is a fairly well paraphrased teaching of Hillel the Elder, a Jewish religious leader, sage, and scholar who lived in the first century BC. Actually, the exact quote is, what is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. That is the whole Torah, while the rest is the commentary thereof. Go and learn it. Slightly different, yes, but the meaning is the same and very, very applicable to the laws of our Christian faith. And it is the topic of our message this morning, which comes from the Gospel according to John, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35, and is entitled, By Our Love and Through His. Jesus said it, and I'll say it again. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. I guess that uh, when it comes to the matter of living out of our Christian faith, that's the bottom line, is it not? Love one another. I mean, rarely does it get any more direct than that in Scripture. You don't have to be wholly attuned to the nuances uh, of, of language and and theology as revealed in John's gospel. You don't have to know everything about every verse in the Bible to understand that the pathway to righteousness, not to mention the mission of the church, is clear. To love God and to love your neighbor. The rest, as the Jewish scholar Hillel famously said, is commentary. And let me tell you something, folks. In a life that's so often filled with gray areas, i got to tell you, I am grateful for that kind of black and white simplicity. And yet, is it really all that simple? I'm reminded of the old uh, Charles Schultz comic strip, Peanuts, in which Linus announces to his sister, Lucy, that when he grows up, he's going to become a world-famous surgeon. He is going to be, he says, a regular M deity. But the next day, as the strip goes on, Lucy shoots this dream down in short order. And she says to Linus, you know what, you're never going to be a world-famous surgeon. Because to be a world-famous surgeon, you have got to love humanity. And you don't love humanity. I may be ad-libbing. We'll just see. You have to love humanity if you're going to be a world-famous surgeon, Linus, and you don't like humanity. And as Lucy walks away, Linus shouts back, I do too love humanity. It's people I can't stand. <laughs> Got to tell you again, friends, that is where the simplicity of love becomes very complicated. 
As a people of faith, we know the commandment to love one another. Furthermore, we understand that as believers, we ought to be shining examples of that particular pathway to righteousness, right? And yet, if we're being honest with ourselves, we also have to confess that all too often, the pathways we follow reveal more self-righteousness than anything else. Indeed, in those places where love ought to be taking root, things like ridicule and scorn, prejudice, derision, false pride, the stuff of life and living that literally chokes the life out of love ends up spreading through our lives like just so much pucker brush. So what's the problem here? I mean, like I said before, we all know better than that. So why don't we live it? Is it because, like Linus, we become so jaded with people that we stop believing that love ever works for the good? Is it that somewhere in our lives we've been hurt by risking love? And as the saying goes, once bitten, twice shy? Is it that we have gotten to the point in this long and divisive year that we really can't stand a, a different opinion? Or could it be that somehow we've lost or somehow forgotten what it truly means to love our neighbor as ourselves? Well, friends, this morning's scripture offers some real insight into that question. As we pick up the story from John, we're actually back to the night of betrayal and desertion. It is Monday, Thursday. We are in the midst of of what John refers to as the farewell discourses. And in fact, uh, Judas is already on his way to betray Jesus. So right now, Jesus is together with his disciples. These uh, consist of some of the very last words that Jesus will say to them in the, his earthly life, the last of his teachings, as it were. And what does he say? He says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Now, what's interesting about this, and there's a lot that's interesting about this, folks, but, but what's most interesting is this is nothing new. It is not a new commandment, technically speaking, because the edict to love one's neighbor dated back to the Old Testament. It, it was part of the Torah. And as such, these were words that were familiar to the disciples and anyone else who had ever grown up in the Jewish faith. But what was new about this is what Jesus adds to this new commandment. He says to them, just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. In other words, love's shape, its form, and its function is to come from Jesus himself. If you love one another in the same way that I have loved you, he says, all people will know for sure that you are my disciples. What I would submit to you this morning is this is what we've forgotten. In a culture where love gets reduced to shallow sentiment on the one extreme and, and mere physical gratification on the other, here comes Jesus to remind us that real love, 
real love has to do with living out of his love. For the Christian, you see, there is a gold standard of love, and that gold standard is Jesus. If it's true, as the song says, that they will know we are Christians by our love, then it's also true that everything we need to know about love everything that we have to do regarding love and everything we should avoid because of love comes to us through Jesus and by the example that he sets for us of his love. Or to put this biblically, we love because he first loved us. So the question becomes, how does Jesus love us? How does that happen? What exactly is this example that Jesus calls us to follow? Well, that's a big question. And you know what? There are more answers to that question that can easily be contained in a single sermon. So we'll just keep preaching on this indefinitely. Actually, for our purposes this morning, I'd like to offer up something of an overview. I want to offer with you this morning four spiritual truths about Jesus that not only tell us a great deal about how Jesus loves, but also which point us in the right direction of how we should love one another. Four spiritual truths. Spiritual truth number one, Jesus loves us both universally and uniquely. Let me repeat that. Jesus loves us both universally and uniquely. By this I mean that the same Jesus who took upon his own shoulders the burden of the world's sin is also the Jesus who throughout the gospel never failed to focus on the particular and the unique in every person he encountered. From the Samaritan woman at the well to the thief that was crucified him on the hill of Golgotha. You know, it's interesting to note that Jesus once compared the people of Israel to a brood of chicks in need of God's love. And yet, you know, he never yielded to the temptation to lump people into categories. He didn't view people in terms of class or cliques. Instead, if you read the Gospels and you read about his encounters with people, you will find that Jesus sought out the genuine and God-created uniqueness in every single person before him. Well, likewise, that's how we ought to be approaching others. In the knowledge that we are each and all God's children, each one created to bring something unique, something special to God's kingdom on earth. If I'm going to love you as Jesus loved me, I'm going to recognize that you are the same as me in every way that really counts. That you are created. You are a person created and loved by God. That you are claimed by the Christ who died to save you. And that you have a place beside me in the community of God's people. And it's wonderful. All these things and many more make us one. But you know what? I also have to acknowledge, if I'm to love you as Jesus has loved me, that in a whole lot of ways, each one of you is very different from me. And I want to know you 
for exactly who you are. I want to find out what makes you tick. What fills you full of joy? What challenges you and what the Lord has done for you amidst those challenges? In uh, one church I served a number of years ago, there was this little boy. And every single sunny, Sunday, no joke, every single Sunday after joke, he would come through the line and he would ask me the same question. Do you know my name? Uh, and I got to be honest with you, at first, quite honestly, I was having a hard time keeping these kids' names straight. We had a lot of children in that Sunday school. And my children can attest to the fact that sometimes I am so bubble-headed, I tend to call my children by the wrong name. So there you are. So this little boy every week, do you know my name? And I need to add here in my own defense that I got this little boy's name right eventually. But that didn't stop him from still asking week after week. And soon, actually, it became our own little private joke. Well, of course I know who you are, Irving. Schwartz, that's right. Schwartz, that's your name. Oh, wait a minute. Fred Flintstone, right? Right. Scooby-Doo. And we would laugh. He'd go downstairs and get cookies, and that was that. It was important to him, you see, that I truly knew who he was. And you know what? It's no different for any of us. Each one of us, deep down inside, yearns first to be known. Not in a generic, nameless, faceless kind of way, but for exactly the unique and special person that God has created us to be. That's how Jesus loves us. And as he has loved us, so we should love one another. Spiritual truth number two about Jesus. He loves us without limit and without condition. If you want proof about this in Jesus' life, all you've got to do is consider the people who are a part of his inner circle. Tax collectors, sinners, men of low estate and women of lesser repute. People who were, in every sense of the word, outside looking in. By worldly standards, not exactly the cream of the crop, not exactly the hoi polloi of the world. But the point is, is that Jesus loved them all. And what's more, he urged them, as he urges us, to love in the same way. Love your enemies, he said. Love your enemies. Who in the world would ever have thought of that? Pray for those who hate you. Tell us the truth. Sometimes when you say, I'm going to pray for those who hate me, we're not exactly praying for good things. But that's what Jesus tells us to do. Don't love, let your love become so limited or exclusive or contingent on some narrow set of criteria, or might I add, if they agree with us. Simply put, if we're to love as Jesus has loved us, then quite simply, that love is going to have to extend beyond those who are easy for us to love, even to embracing those who at first glance seem far removed from our own experience, far from our comfort level, not to mention people who are removed from our so-called Christian sensibilities. 
Actually, you know what? I am reminded of an adage that I heard years ago that to be a Christian requires from us having an 11-foot pole. Wait for it. Because as a Christian, you are called to love people that you wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. pole. That's right. I'm so glad you're here. But that's the kind of inclusiveness that is truly Christ-like. And that's the example we need to follow as Christians. And dare I say, that's what makes us the church that we are called to be, that we're gathered to be, and that we ought to be. So that having been said, spiritual truth number three about Jesus' love. And that is that Jesus loves us honestly. Now, maybe it has to do with a life endeavoring to be at least somewhat sweet, kind, and gentle in all things. Something that admittedly gets mixed results. But you know what? The older I get, the more I appreciate the fact that Jesus wasn't always so kind and gentle. Jesus never pulled any punches, and I love that about him. He spoke about the truth in love. And at the very heart of that truth is the reality that to follow him involves our very transformation as persons and as a people. We can be so very grateful that Jesus never sugarcoated the gospel. It was good news, but good news that required radical change in us. Metanoia is what the Greek language refers to it as. And that means turning completely around from where you are now. To put this another way, friends, Jesus' love is big enough to accept us and embrace us exactly as we are and where we are in life. But it's a love bold enough not to let us stay that way, lest we miss God's purposes for our lives and living. Lest, as they say, we miss thy kingdom's gold. Our love of one another ought to be marked with the same kind of boldness, ever and always acknowledging and seeking to empower the gifts of God in those around us. Which leads us to the fourth and final spiritual truth of Jesus' love. And that's that Jesus loves us in community. We have to remember that As I mentioned before, in this passage from John, he's also preparing his disciples for the time when they will have to carry on his work. He is saying to them, if you go out, if you show all the people the love that you have seen and heard and experienced in me, then everybody will immediately know you and identify you as my disciples. In other words, our Christian faith is not meant to be internalized. Love is not love, holy at least, until it is shared. We need to remember that we are sent out into the world to be the church, to be the church of Jesus Christ, to love as Jesus loves. As Kevin Harney has written, Jesus calls us into community and fellowship with each other in a way that blesses us and shows the world that he is alive. 
The ways that we love each other is the greatest sign of his power and presence to a world that looks on and is wondering, often from a distance, if there's anything at all to this thing about being a Christian. For the sake of God's plan, Arnie writes, for the church and for the world, it is time for us to see just how important it is for us to be part of, the, of a local body of believers, to be a part of the body of Christ, to be the church. Because you see, for us, love means dwelling in community. This is not the, to say, certainly not to say, that we are a community of perfectly loving people. Far from it. In fact, I'm also realizing the older I get that being a part of the church requires not only a whole lot of love, but also an abundance of patience, a spirit of forgiveness, and a hearty sense of humor. In other words, you got to laugh. And that's because so often our human frailties get in the way of living and loving as we should. And love isn't automatic after all. It requires from us true commitment and hard work day in and day out. Not too long ago uh, in a discussion in our family around the table, uh, my children reminded me that in most every wedding homily I've ever preached, over you know the course of 250 plus weddings I almost always say the same thing marriage is hard work you know and one of my kids suggested why would anybody want to get married if it's just hard work well it's a lot of joys and delights and wonders and it's a lifetime of for better or or worse but yes it is hard work love is hard work but when we work at it, following the example of Jesus, many times we get it right. So right that the kind of transformation that's happened in us can start to heal a hurting world. Jesus said to them, love one another as I have loved you. It's a simple truth of faith and it requires everything we've been given. And yet, is it not true that it makes us everything we are? Is it not true that the fact that we are here today, that we have been greeting one another this morning as though we are all part of one great loving God's family, which is what we are. It's where everything we seek to be and to do it's where it begins. Love. It is true, and we're going to sing it in just a minute. They will know we are Christians by our love. By our love and through his. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, by our love and through his. It was recorded as part of our May 2nd outdoor service of worship at East Church, where, by the way, you are always invited to join us each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock via Facebook Live on our East Congregational Church Facebook page. We would love it if you could be a part of our worship 
right now we are having outdoor services weather permitting and we are hopeful that soon we'll be able to be worshiping again in our sanctuary and with that we do come to the close of another episode of this love to tell the story podcast this is michael lowry and i thank you for listening today and until next time stay safe be well and may god bless you with a great day every day we'll talk to you soon